Hello, welcome to the L3 Podcast, a podcast production of the Michigan Ministry Network designed and focused to help ministers and church leaders live healthy lives, lead thriving churches, and launch into the communities around them. I'm your host, Aaron Halavin, and we're excited to be with you today. I'm excited to have with us today my very close friend uh, and uh, one of my favorite people, John Opaluski. John, welcome to our podcast today. Hey, Aaron, it's great to be here with you. You're looking, and by the way, you're looking uh, very thin. You're looking I mean, great. I mean, you could say that as many times as you want. I'm okay. You can't see it, but uh, I have to say I'm looking rather dapper today. Uh, but anyway, uh, thanks, John. I appreciate that. Uh, we're talking on the subject of pastoral health, and I want to talk about um, some things we can do specifically related to emotional hygiene, uh, rest yeah. and recovery, uh, you know, from the ministry demands. But before we do that, so some people may not know, why don't you share a little bit about what you do, okay. what you've been doing for years. Obviously, you had pastoral ministry, but what you've done in the last years and uh, why it's a driving passion of yours and why it's so important. Sure. So for the last nine and a half years, Aaron, we've been working a lot right alongside leaders and churches. We started a company called Converge Coaching, and our goal was to help leaders lead better, lead longer, enjoy it more, because we, we thought, we believe this, that you could actually do what God called you to do and uh, not fall into a mess right. while you were doing it. Right. Uh, I've, I've heard people say, well, you know, all of the stress, all of the deal of anxiety or depression or all that, that's just part of the ministry. And I reject that. I thought, no, I think that we can actually do what God's called us to do and do it in a way that actually promotes longevity and, right. and health and fruitfulness over a long period of time. So um, so we've been doing that for nine and a half years, and it's just been an, an amazing ride. This last year has been an incredible year for us. Well, and, and in that role as working so closely alongside pastors and churches, uh, you've seen some things yes, and you've learned some things. And I'm sure some of them have been wonderful to see people overcome and and get healthy and stay healthy, maintain healthy uh, actions in their lives. But I'm also sure you've seen some things that haven't gone so well. And so, right. you know, coming out of this last season, pandemic and church recovery and the big shift of church that has happened where people have moved to other churches and churches never really recovered fully. Right. Um, what have you seen in this recent season? Let's, let's just take a window even before COVID, through COVID. At sure. now. What have you seen in the lives of leaders that is um, concerning to you? Uh, yeah, so I, I think there's probably more things than we will be able to unpack today. Sure. Here's the like three or four things that come to my mind almost instantaneously. Uh, I see persistent signs of fatigue okay. uh, and burnout post-pandemic. What do those look like? Um, well, so how do you know if you're burning out? That's a, that's a great question. I think there are certain things to be looking for. So when the week, so when you get, a, you get into the office on Monday and the week looks like a gauntlet, right? you know, some, instead of something you're looking forward to doing, you right. know, that could be an indicator. That, the dread. The dread of it. Yeah. Oh, I call it Sunday, Sunday evening dread would right. be a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, you know, I love what I do for a living, but when I look at an upcoming week and think, how am I going to, what have I done to myself or how, how am I going to get through this? Right. I may be operating on less than a, a full tank. So it's a natural feeling of almost, uh, 
don't want to say doom and gloom, but dread and yeah. maybe even overwhelmed feelings of, oh man, how am I, it's, it's that feeling that comes. That's right. Okay. I, I think a couple of other ways, you know, that burnout might be near is heightened irritability. Okay. Uh, you know, some leaders, I think, confuse irritability with immaturity. And, and of course that's possible, right? That right. those two could be connected. But I think a lot of times we're working with leaders that have really matured and yet they find themselves out of proportionately irritated over things, you know, they're little things with people with, you know, things that didn't used to bother you, but now do. Right. Or I, I, the way I characterize it is giving a hundred dollar response to a $5 issue, Ooh, okay. you know, and yeah. you over, you're overreacting. That could be a sign. Um, and that gets expensive uh, in your relational life. <laughs> yes. You, you lose relational capital you uh, when you do that. I, you do. I think a couple of other things that really kind of are indicators are, are difficulty concentrating, right. focusing, chronic fatigue, problems with sleep, okay. you know, hypersomnia, which means you can't get out of bed and, or insomnia. That means you have a hard time sleeping. I think, I think those are some of the common threads that we see that alert us to say, okay, this, this, this individual is, is running toward burnout really quickly. You know, what I've learned in life is that we are often the least self-aware person. You know, we, mm. we're really good. You know, I used to tell someone, I'm really great at giving advice to parents of young kids until yeah. I had a problem with my own kids. Um, who are people that you should check in with to say, how am I doing? Yeah. If you're not noticing the irritability or that, sure. is it just a spouse? Is it colleagues? What do you yeah. think? I, well, I think your spouse is an important indicator. Okay. Uh, so when we're having uh, dinner with a couple, uh, pastor and his wife, or if it, it could be a, a female leader and her husband, right. you know, we'll ask the leader, well, how, I'll ask the leader, how are you doing? And, and, and what do you think they normally tell me? I don't know. Oh, I'm just doing, doing great, great, man. Yeah, I'm doing right. so good. Right. And I look at his spouse and I say, how, how are they really doing? <laughs> Not and they good. say, he's doing terrible. <laughs> right. He's doing awful. She's doing terrible. Right. And so I think your spouse really has, uh, many times I think your spouse has the ability to spot burnout before you do. Mm-hmm. Maybe your kids too. Your kids. Um, I I think um, uh, having a good friend who is uh, maybe a little farther down the road than you are, who's not afraid to tell you the truth. Right. That helps. I think having a mentor, a, a coach in your life is really important. People see a mentor and a coach have really nothing to lose by right. telling you the truth. Right. Yeah. And They're there for your benefit. That's not right. Theirs, right. And so, you know, if they tell you the truth and you get angry at them and you say, I don't want to work with you anymore. Well, they've got plenty of other people they can work with. And, and so having somebody, here's what I think, Aaron, I think that the longer you lead and the larger the organization you lead, the less, the less truth telling you have around you. Mm, that's true. I agree with that. Yeah. And, and so, man, being diligent and intentional about that kind of network around you I think is a really important piece of the puzzle. That's good. And, you know, as leaders, ministry leaders, uh, oftentimes, no matter what position you're in, we may even see those warning signs and we tend to ignore them because uh-huh. um, there are those seasons you have to work extra hard. Of course. And those are tiring seasons and all those warning signs are there, but it's good work and it's the right work, but it's not meant to be a sustained season. It's meant That's to right. be a shortened season. So uh, what are some of the long-term effects if if ministers don't, uh, ministry leaders don't deal with those warning signs. What are yeah. some of the long-term effects 
that you have seen, even in your own life, I know there's a huge testimony. We probably don't have time for that, but you may allude to that. But certainly in lives of leaders that you're corresponding with, what are the effects of long-term unhealthiness? So the first go-to there for me, and this is going to be the obvious ones, are anxiety, Mm -hmm. depression, and and even suicidal ideation, which... You know, I experienced as a lead pastor many, many years ago because I didn't understand any of this stuff that we're talking about today. Right, right. So I think uh, the, one of the long-term effects is you are a, a likely candidate. If you're a lead pastor, you are a likely candidate to suffer from anxiety or depression. I think last year, Barna said 50% of lead pastors in the United States were reporting uh, struggling with depression. Wow. Highest number ever. Yeah, and uh, so that that would be something that uh, would be a long term impact. I, I think marriage and family issues, for sure, uh, are, are uh, things that bubble to the surface. Um, here's one maybe that uh, I think maybe we've talked about this one over breakfast or something, Aaron. But uh, I think one of the long term effects of an unhealthy pace um, can be incredibly stupid decisions. Mm. You know, when when we're fatigued, our defenses get lowered and i think we we can end up doing things we would never do if we right. were well rested and that can just be from just bad leadership decisions yes bad people management all the way to sin yeah uh, all the way to uh, adultery, adultery right embezzlement right you know the you know the things that you know we read about and think how did that happen to somebody right i would i would say most more often than not that leader was tired Mm-hmm. Right. And just making bad decisions because they were so fatigued. Right. And I, and I think that as we focus on seeing the warning sides and having to deal with it, we really do have to come with the grips to the, or come to grips with the reality. We will deal with this at some point. Right. It's a matter of if you deal with it while it's an issue before it's a problem right. or, but we will deal with the effects of this. And, you know, one of my passions in my role uh, is to find ways to create better health. That's one of right. our vision things: is to live healthy lives. And uh, and the reason for that is because I don't want your. As in ministry, we have an additional responsibility beyond even ourselves and our homes and our families. A church suffers when the pastor 100, 100, doesn't do well. Hundred percent. You know, I I think your church experiences you um, in all of your goodness and all of your. Uh, dysfunction. They, they they experience what's going on in the inside of mm-hmm. you. Yep. And somehow or another, what's happening on the inside of you, whether it's good or not so good, gets translated to them. It gets deposited in them and they end up And this. I don't know that I could say this happens all the time, but I would say the that predominantly churches take on the internal life of their leader. At least at some level. At some level, right. yeah. they take on the internal life of their leader. So I, I, I um, you know, I, I've been unhealthy as a leader and my staff experienced that. Mm-hmm. And I've, you know, I, I obviously had to apologize to them many times oh, yeah. while I was in my recovery because I just, Aaron, I just didn't know what I was even doing. I didn't even know that I was unhealthy and right. I was terribly unhealthy. They knew. Right. And you may be listening to this, this podcast and be a leader and maybe thinking, well, that's not me. I I think a better place to start is, is that me? Yeah. I think sometimes we're quickly defensive to say, well, I don't deal with that. Well, maybe you do. In fact, the people who don't 
ask, is that me? are the ones that concern me the most because yeah. you put your head in the sand and someday you'll pay. So I've learned to ask this question with regularity, even in seasons when I'm doing better healthy uh, in, in a healthy manner, I've learned to stop and still say, what what else is unhealthy in my, in my own life? So sure. what are some things that you think uh, pastors can do to gain a better balance? I, I know the yeah. scripture says the Holy Spirit leads us to level ground. So I know yeah. part of that is spiritually staying fresh, but I also know you can read the Bible, love the Lord, worship with all your heart, prepare godly messages, and live a life of morality that's high and holy, yeah. and still be depressed, falling apart, suicidal, and tempted. So it's not just, it's not only a spiritual thing. It certainly right. involves God and, and the work. But what are some practical things that sure. we can do? Well, I think understanding we're three part beings we're spirit, we're body. We're soul. I think our souls, our mind, our will, mm-hmm. our emotions, and 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 knowing that it's important to tend to all three. It's good. Uh, is really an important kind of foundational thought process. You know, I, when I'm having this conversation at a high level, I like to think about three words: ownership, network, and rhythms. Mm. Uh, so ownership is simply t- you as a leader taking responsibility for your own emotional well-being. Nobody else will do that for you. Nobody it's not else. your spouse's job. No. It's not your friend's job. It's not it's your, your board's right. job. Right. Um, it, it's definitely not your kid's job. Right. Right. Um, you ultimately own your emotional health, and nobody else is responsible for it but you. So I think that's really important. But with that being said, and we talked about this a little bit already, so I'll just touch on it, you need a network. Right. You, you, you know, you need your spouse your spouse, if you're married, you need your doctor to help you with the physical part of your life. You need a counselor that you can call on when uh, times get hard and you need to unpack some hurt. You need a mentor. You need a coach. It's, you know, Aaron, I had this thought, this wasn't original with me. A guy that I know real well said, John, what what would it be like if every pastor in the United States had a coach? Mm -hmm. And I thought, man, wouldn't it be great if we could just normalize yeah. that, that that's just normal. Right. It's not something special, but everyone had that. I think I think uh, leadership would be healthier as a whole. Well, and I think we are getting more healthy in the idea of emotional health and ministry because of ministries like yours mm-hmm. and other ministries, and also because we've seen the tragic results of really successful, dynamic, really great leaders who've committed suicide yes. or have struggled with that. So I think we're normalizing pastoral and emotional health, but we're not normalizing some of the other systems that bring that. That's right. And we need to enhance that. That, that, That's right. You know, it's really scary to think that you can build an amazing ministry and be a mess on the inside at the same time. Right. That should scare everybody. Absolutely. That I can be successful, and I'm doing air quotes, um, and I can be a, a, a mess on the inside. My marriage could be a mess. And uh, so we need a network. Emotional and mental health rarely develops in a vacuum. And then the third word is rhythms. And, and you know, Aaron, I I think we could talk about rhythms a long, a long time. I'm thinking about work rest rhythms, you know, like taking the day, a real day off every week. That's part of rest. That's, that's part. part of that's that. part. And I mean, a real day off. And and let, can we unpack that for just a Please. moment? I, I used to think of a day off as a day I didn't go in the office, but I've amended that about five years ago yeah. uh, and really enhanced that uh, during the COVID stretch when we're all uh, in our homes. I, I did enjoy being at home with my family, yeah. but part of it was because I had no 
planned activity. And I think what we make a mistake of sometimes is, and tell me if I'm wrong or, or enhance and make me sound wiser than I am. I think we need a true day off that isn't filled with everything else in our life to catch up. Does that make 100%. sense? hundred percent. Yeah. You know, if you think about it in, in Genesis chapter two, it says, God, uh, God made the Sabbath day holy. Right. What that word holy means is he made it separate. He right. made it different. Right. So it, that day should look different. Unhurried, unplanned, kind of, right. hey, what do you want to do today? If Let's you have a plan, that. it shouldn't be anything that is making you rush. Right. Um, but, you know, taking time to fill up the emotional tank, spending, I think spending extra time with the Lord on your day off yeah. is a really good uh, way to do it. So there's that. I, I did want to talk about a, a sabbatical yeah. rhythm real quick. Yeah. Um, that uh, I, I believe that the sabbatical and uh, is a very important piece of a, of a good rhythm. Uh, some churches, every seven years, they make provision for their pastors and the staff pastors to be able to take uh, extended time away. Um, we believe that's a very important piece of the puzzle because there's nothing like, I've worked in the corporate world for 20 years, and that world has its stresses and strains. Every job does, but there is nothing like being a pastor sure. in terms of stress, people stress, not being able to separate yourself from work. And sabbaticals are these wonderful gifts that boards can give to their pastors that will help their pastors have more longevity. Absolutely. Um, I've done two of them, and they were monumentally healthy for my life. Right. And so I, I don't know if there will be any board members listening to this, yeah. but um, I think it would be so important for you to consider investing in your pastor's health in a preventive fashion. It is a lot easier to prevent anxiety and depression than it is to recover from those two right. twin evils. And and your pastor will be working at diminished capacity while he's trying to recover. It's so much better to get in front of it. And so I, boy, if I could just make an appeal to boards, make that part of your budget. And as lead pastors, if you don't know how to bridge that, uh, if you go to the, uh, Michigan Ministry Network website, go under our resources under print, you'll see a guide we created that you can present to your board uh, from the network, which gives it not just coming from you, right. and certainly uh, to our lead pastors, if you ever need one of my team or myself to come or even John to talk to your boards about those things, yep. we're certainly willing to do so uh, because we really want to see that become a standard practice across our state. That's right. So, John, uh, as far as building those better balance rest and regular routines, uh, you know, one of the things that I had to come to grips with, again, that unhurried, unplanned day, I was, I was, I got to cut the lawn, paint this thing, do that, clean the gutters, you know, you got to do those things, but a day off should be more. What are some of the benefits um, as you see rest become a regular part of a minister's life, a leader's life, but what are some of the benefits, you know, I, when I came back to the church, and let me just say for sabbaticals, I learned that you also have to be secure because when you come back, yeah. you'll find out something that I learned that you're important, but the church can do good without you. Yes. And that should encourage pastors, but I find that it makes pastors insecure <laughs> a little more than it probably should. And I know that because the first sabbatical I did, I felt that too. But <clears throat> but what are some of the benefits, not just for the pastor, but also for the church as a whole? You touched on it briefly, but yeah. expound on that so that we can see why rest and emotional habits are healthy for us to have. Well, I think we said that earlier that uh, 
the congregation's going to take its cue primarily from the lead pastor right. when it comes to this. So if you if you're a workaholic, you're gonna you're gonna probably be leading a congregation of workaholics, right? Uh, with uh, not any margin in their life, and uh, their their uh, uh, their shortchanging relationships that really matter, and all of that. So, so just understanding that congregation is going to take its cue from you is really important. But here's some of the benefits I I see. I see longevity as yeah. a benefit. Right. Look, if you've got a pastor who loves Jesus, who loves you as a congregation, who is uh, is actually doing the things that are helping your church reach its full potential, man, that person is gold. Right. And and to have them for a, for a longer season is in everybody's best interests. Everybody wins. Yep. Uh, when your lead pastor is well, um, so I see that. I think I think there's more fruitfulness that comes along with. Uh, operating out of health, it's there's a there's a better relationship we have with success. Right, right. You know, like when I'm taking my day off every week, and I'm you know I'm punching out at a reasonable time uh, most nights, and and I'm I'm taking good long, real vacations, and our company continues to grow. Right. That really helps me understand right. that my role in, in the in the whole picture is simply planting and watering, and God has the much larger role, and my team, by the way, of of helping the thing to actually grow. And so when we have success, when I'm well, when I do this well, it prevents me from getting a big head. Right. Like taking all the credit. I, I realize, wow, God, this is happening even when I'm doing what is difficult to do. Look, I, I believe this. You have to believe that that rest is God's best plan for you. You've That's got good. to believe that, that that Sabbath rest is demonstrated from the very beginning of the Bible. And, and this runs like a thread throughout the, the whole scripture. And you said it earlier, it's a, it's a lifelong effort, right? You didn't say it that way, but you said you had to work hard. Yeah. still do. And I still do too. I've been, I've been teaching this for, I don't know, two decades and I still have to work hard at it. Well, every season brings a new rhythm. Uh, correct. You know, I, I, every season has a new thing for me to adjust. It's not like, okay, this is my rhythm and that's it. This is my rhythm, but it still has to adjust because life adjusts that's right. around you. That's right. You know, you get, as you get older, um, and I don't know if you're experiencing this yet. You still, of course, like I said earlier, I you look very young come on, and come healthy. On. Um, but I am bald. I do feel like it's, it's been there. But I'm as you it. age, you have to learn how to work differently. Right. Right. Because you're not going to have the same physical juice you had at 60 right. that you did at 40 right. or th- in your 30s. So that I think that's really an important piece of the puzzle. Um, if I could just say one more thing, yeah, Aaron. Please. Um, I, I think if we get this right, we'll have, we'll have a proper sense of identity. Mm. You know, we'll get our value, not, not from our work. We get our value. We'll learn how to get our value from the person we belong to. Right. And, and um, that seems a very simple it is actually a simple concept if you think about it, right. but putting that into practice right. has been the, one of the biggest challenges of my life. Yep. And I feel like just in the last few years, I'm starting to get my arms around that. Like, right. God, I don't have anything to prove to anybody today. Right. That's not an attitude. It's just, it's a posture. Right. 
I don't have to impress Aaron on the podcast today. I don't have to impress people when I get up to speak. I don't have to impress this pastor when I meet him for the first time. And it brings such a relaxed uh, posture. And if the meeting doesn't go well, okay, I'm still valuable. Right, right. It doesn't diminish my value. Right. So those are just some of the the major things that I see. I love it. And, you know, one time I was driving in a van with a national uh, leader, and he said to me, Uh, talked about prayer life, and this relates to rest and thinking. It's not just resting our bodies. It's resting our minds. It's resting Mm -hmm. our hearts. You touched on that. But he said to me, you know, I used to pray, God, you got, you know, this is happening in our church. What do you want me to do about it? But I made this simple shift in my prayer life. God, this is your church. You got a problem in it. What are you going to do about it? And how can I help? And I think that's what you're touching on is when you're doing rest well and you're living, it's a biblical life. It's not just a self-help book. It's a, it's a, it's more than that. It's a biblical approach and you align yourself in God's authority under his authority. Right. And you start doing what he's asked us to do. You start reshifting. Like you said, this is your church. This is your ministry. That's right. And some of that emotional pressure that pastors carry that makes them work harder, that makes them do more, that burns them out more, that physically wears them down. I, I find that I am emotionally tired before I'm physically tired. Yep. But then when emotional and physical fatigue match or meet, usually spiritual fatigue is right around the corner. That's right. And so I think it's it's what you're talking about. It's rest for the body, but it's rest for your mind and it's That's rest right. for your soul. And I think if we do this better, you're right, we'll have healthier churches. Mm-hmm. We'll be there longer. But more than that, I think churches will begin to dream. I think one of the biggest yeah. tragedies of busyness is we've we've lost the ability to dream. The whole rhythm of rest day and night and day, night and day in scripture, and then he rested, was off of dreaming creation. And I think God wants us to be dreamers. And I think way too many ministry leaders are surviving, not thriving. And if you don't live a healthy life, you won't have a thriving church, typically. And you'll never reach your community because you don't have the ability to get God-sized dreams because your mind is full of earthly activity. Right. And I think your your most important relationships will suffer. I, I want... I want Laura and I want my boys and my daughters-in-law and my granddaughters to love Jesus and to love the church. Right. I don't want them to not love Jesus and not love the church because I I was working like an idiot. Right. And, Doing too and just much. out of control. Right. Yeah, that's good, John. So one last thing, any encouragement you can give for a pastor? I I'm I'm feeling like I'm in an emotional valley. What's one thing you can tell them? I know we talked about honesty and evaluation, yeah. but what's one thing you encourage them to do today to start the process towards health? Yeah, don't don't carry that for one second alone anymore. Good. Find somebody you trust that you can unpack this with. That is the most important next step I think you could take. Beautiful. If someone wanted to reach out to see what resources Converge offers, uh, what would be your, what's your website? Yeah, it's convergecoach.com. Very simple. And you can find out all about us there. Beautiful. Thanks, John, for loving ministers. Thanks for loving me. Thank you for uh, the many, many, many breakfasts and conversations we've had. You've helped me immensely. And I pray that today's podcast will be an encouragement to those who Mm. listen. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Thanks, brother. Thank you for joining the L3 podcast. We pray that it has been beneficial to both you and your ministry. If you would like to know more about the Michigan Ministry Network, please feel free to visit mmn.ag.